This is Dumpster Vinyl, a podcast about two people who found 928 library music records in a dumpster. They don't know anything about library music, but they're determined to figure it out on their journey. Join us, won't you? The track you're currently listening to is called Sailing, off of the Robert Hall Productions album Production Music, catalog number RH102. Hello, everyone. Hey, buddies. Welcome to episode two Woo-hoo! of Dumpster Vinyl. Here we are. Here we are. Wow. It's been a couple weeks since our last episode uh, where we shared our story, and we had such a fun time doing it, and we got such a positive feedback. We have had listeners from all over the world. Thank you, Which friends. is so awesome. Yeah. Um, because this community of library music is global. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just so excited to get to our second episode. It took us a couple weeks because, you know, we got we got life things going on. But, you know, hey. Life was happening. Um, and we're so grateful to have had such a smashing success right out of the gates with our first one. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're back and we're ready. We also had to sort of figure out the formula for how we're going to do this. And, and that took a little bit of brainstorming. Yeah. Brain, brain waves. So, yeah. So, we got that out of the way. We finally got around to doing our second episode, which... Fun fact, we have an Instagram now. It's Instagram.com slash Dumpster Vinyl. And we were teasing what our next episode was going to be. And boy, oh boy, is it going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, So the first album we are going to talk about is going to be The Electric Banana. The Electric Banana. Electric Banana. But before we get into that, we want to maybe start off with a little uh, fun segments that we hope to reintroduce every episode. And the first thing we're going to talk about is what were some of the albums? Because we don't just listen to this one album beforehand. We even listen to a little bit of everything we got just to see what we have on our hands for future episodes. True story. Yeah. Uh, So we're just going to go through and talk about some of the stuff that we have been listening to that we really like so far. So, yeah, Logan, tell me what, what have you liked? So one of the albums that like one of the record labels that we learned has like some really good stuff is the Southern Library of Recorded Music. Ah. Uh, which sounds like it was in the South, but it's British. British. British, uh, as most of these are. And uh, through my, my, my forum connects, mm-hmm. uh, where pretty much I'm learning literally everything from. I'm just using these people as a source of information for this podcast, uh, unabashedly. Uh, but they know who they are. Um, they're, they're the most wonderful, kind people. Um, they inform me that the contemporary 9,000 series of the Southern Library of Music uh, is some of the best stuff that they put on there. And there's one called Soul of a City, Ooh. which I really, really liked. Sure. Um, are, so, are we going to do a snippet of it? or I think we can do a snippet. Let me pull it up here real quick. So fun thing about this is the first track in the album is Soul of a City. Um, I think it's... It's as the kids say, it's a bop. I think it, it, it's not what the kids say these days. Bebop? A bebop? Hip-hop? A bibbidi bop? Boobop? It slaps. Hip hop anonymous? Um, hip hop anonymous? The hip hop <laughs> hippopotamus? Uh, yeah, uh, this track's pretty good. Let, let me uh, bust it out here. Yeah. Wow. Jazzy. Makes my shoulders move a little. A little bit, yeah, right? So. I feel like I'm in an elegant club having a cocktail. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, so I, I, I shared this with the forum and didn't know this. 
they said, oh, this track was recently discovered uh, in the background of a cafe in a scene from Glee. Oh. So there's a scene in Glee recently over the last you know, few, several years. I, yeah. know, I don't want to show. I don't know if it's still on the air or not. Glee but, is not. Okay. Um, I, I was fresh out of college when Glee was on, so I think right around 2007, 2008, 2009, mm. 2010. Um, Were you fresh out of college for four years? For a million years? I, just, <laughs> I still am fresh out of college. <laughs> We're all fresh out of college, right? I'm so young. So... No, uh, they informed me there was a random scene in the cafe where this was just playing in the background. It's incidental music, and that's what this stuff is. Yeah. So, yeah, but this is a this is a, this is a good jam. I actually played this for a uh, friend of mine, and he started listening to it. He was like, this music's awesome. I just want to, like you said, sit back and like smoke a cigarette in a lounge. Yeah, so um, a little bit about Logan is he's a videographer, photographer, and I come from the interior design, uh, furniture design world. Um, so when I listen to songs, I always create a mood or a, uh, almost as if I was a grown up playing with a dollhouse, but with real people. So what I was picturing with that song was very loungy music. You just showed up in a new city in a very, uh, swanky hotel and you're wearing some nice clothes, sipping a cocktail and maybe... Maybe you're in one of those very plush leather uh, round booths in this restaurant and there's lots of velvet drapes around. Very, very moody gem tones. Um, anyway, that's that's kind of where my mind goes when I listen to music is setting the scene. And I think Logan is a little bit of a different beast. Just I, I, I envision the action of the scene. I envision what the person is doing in it. It's less about the environment and more about the activity. Ah. So, yeah, this is like that, that that's a total Don Draper track to me. Like Ooh. that's that that's madman. That that's like sitting on the couch with a whiskey in one hand, cigar in the other, you know, just just enjoying the evening. Well, um, I'll take Don Draper any day. Oh, wouldn't we all? <laughs> oh, Jonathan Ham, I hope you're a listener. I hope you are too. Yeah. Uh so Naveen what uh, album have you been uh, really vibing with? So it's the first album that I figured out how to play, because when we first got this hall, we didn't have a record player. So the first one is um, Johnny Hawksworth's Caribbean Sound. I yes. love where it takes me. It's yeah. very um, vacation-esque. Who'd have guessed from the Caribbean sounds? Oh, gosh. It just takes me away from snowy, cold, blustery, windy Chicago <laughs> to a warm beach where you're walking around and picking out some really great vacation... Coconuts. Vacation coconuts. Vacation coconuts <laughs> to wear on the beach. <laughs> exactly. We're going to eat these, and then we're going to make a bra out of it, and we're going to strut around a grass skirt. That's, that's what Logan and I do when we go oh, on yeah, vacation. Of course. Who doesn't? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let, let's see. I, I pulled up a little bit. I don't have it uh, riffed, but they do have it on on the interwebs. Let's play a little bit. This okay. is called. This is the Coconutters. Ooh. Let's see what this sounds like. It's a little more funky Caribbean. It is. It's got that funk. But it's steel drum heavy, for sure. Uh, oh. A little bit of a buffer there, folks. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely relaxing to listen to. Although there are some pretty uh, frenetic tracks on this album, if I recall. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Naveen is also a big reggae fan. 
so when we were going through this, she's like, I want to listen to this. Like when we were cataloging, she's like, put this on the side, I want to listen to it. Yeah. And then when we got the record, I was like, can you find that Caribbean album? And, and, and I thought it was a uh, Rouge album called Instant Reggae. No. Uh, which was on the, like if you follow the Instagram, there's the photos that Naveen took of the entire hall when she pulled it out of the dumpster. It was one of the albums that was sitting on top of the entire stack. And I was like, oh, that one looks good. Yeah. That, one, that, that, one's, that one's all right. I think we listened to it. It, it was okay. But, uh, so this one is also a, a smaller LP than normal. Yeah, 10 inch. 10 inch. So which the electric banana is also a 10 inch. So yeah, it's so because it's 10 inch is going to have a few less tracks, but no big deal. No big deal. Doesn't mean the quality's not there and we're Doesn't. not in the Caribbean right now. It's, it's actually funny <laughs> exactly. Uh I whenever we would find a 10 inch, I would actually be a little bit more excited about that because I think one of the first 10 inches we found was abstractions of the industrial North? Yeah. Which is a very expensive album. So anytime I came across a 10 inch, I was like, ooh, how much is this one? And surprisingly, the 10 inches are a little more, like, tend to be a little bit more valuable, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime I would see one, I'd be like, let's see what this is. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Electric Banana, Abstractions of the Industrial North. Yep. Um, so yeah, just a lot of fun there. Uh, so yeah, th- that's what we've arrived into. Soul of a City for me, Johnny Hawksworth, Caribbean Sounds, which we're going to do an entire episode on Johnny Hawksworth. Oh, he's so fascinating. This guy, like that was the first name we saw because the composers are often listed on the back. And anytime we would see his name somewhere, we'd be like, hey, we got another Johnny Hawksworth because we also found like one of the first Hawksworth albums we found was really valuable. Yeah. We're like, ooh, this one must be really valuable too. And some are, some aren't. But for the most part, he was one of the most prolific uh, composers for DeWolf and other library music. Um, I was actually surprised he wasn't in that library music film, but I came to find out after looking him up that he passed away in 2009, which is sad. But we will definitely do an episode in the future on him because that guy is like... Prolific. Like one out of every five or six albums that we pulled had his name on it. Felt, oh, yeah. It, it, it felt like. So, yeah, he's out there. Uh, so let's see... What do we got next? So, so that's what we're up to. We're going to talk about the electric banana. Let's talk about the electric banana. That's why you're here. You're here for the electric banana. Uh, so who is the electric banana? Well, the electric banana, I think we alluded to it in the first episode, uh, that bands would moonlight doing library music. Mm-hmm. And the band that the electric banana is, is a British uh, group called The Pretty Things which uh, they were often referred to as the best British band never to make it in America <laughs> uh, because they never toured there. They never toured. They never toured, so America never got a taste of the pretty things. Um, but they are a band that was active up until last year. They put out an album in 2020, uh, but they recently, I believe, called it quits because the lead singer, Phil May, passed away uh, about two months before the release of the album. So that was the last thing they did, and then he passed away, and I think they decided to just hang it up instead of find somebody else. We don't know the pretty things. So yeah, we're not music scholars, but uh, we, we appreciate. So so we, we don't really know our music history as well as some people. Uh, so our gauge to figure out how popular a band is is to look at how many streams they have on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So their most popular song on Spotify is... She's a Lover, off their 1970 album, Parachute. Stars, 
which, after doing some research, I found out is probably their most well-received album. Oh. Uh, didn't make a lot of money, though. They didn't push a lot of units, as they say, in the industry. So what's impressive, though, is during their entire 57-year time span creating music, they featured over 34 different musicians in the band. Uh, pretty much the two main band members were Phil May, the singer, and Dick Taylor, the guitarist. They're the ones that founded the group, and they're the ones that were there all the way up until their last album last year. Okay. But in between, they featured over 30 different people playing various different instruments uh, over their 57-year career, which 57 years is just... That's a long time. It is a long time. I mean... (laughs) What do you get someone for for their anniversary on year 57? Is it paper? Which which one? (laughs) The last album of your life. That's what you get. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, Phil May. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so a, a lot of this information we're giving you came from this really amazing blog post uh, from a guy named Richie. I don't know if it's pronounced Unterberger or Unterberger. Uh, his website is richieunterberger.com. And the article is titled The Electric Banana, The Pretty Things by Any Other Name. So instead of just hitting you with all these facts and notes, because I took a lot of notes, we're just going to get... Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. We're just going to jump into it, maybe a song at a time. You know what? Let's do this. Let's start off. First song on this 10-inch... Walking down the street. Walking down the street. Ba-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Oh, there it is. say just listening to some of the pretty things stuff on spotify that the music they were making around this time didn't really sound like this and i feel like it's because DeWolf was looking for a very modern pop sound to sort of mimic the beatles and other bands of that era 
So a lot of the stuff is going to sound very of that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that was really the Pretty Things style. In fact, in that article, they talked about how they really didn't like doing this. They did it strictly for a paycheck because... And because they weren't making enough money off their record sales. Ah. So they used the money they made from doing this to make the records that they wanted to make. Oh. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. That was great. All right. Yeah. That was a good little poppy number. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I definitely see two people walking down the street. (laughs) (laughs) You better. (laughs) If if you don't, they failed with that one. (laughs) It's called walking down the street. Uh Um, And that's another thing about these uh, sort of band-heavy DeWolf, well, not DeWolf, but library music. Whenever they would get a band to come in and perform library music, oftentimes side A would be full lyrics, everything like that, and side B would just be the instrumentals. And this is also the case here so side b is going to be the instrumental version of that and i remember we thought like well how different is it really going to be and you really can tell without the vocals like it you can create a whole different mood without it um it really does change it up but they didn't really care for the music they made on this because they also said they would just literally write the lyrics and the music in a day and then go in the next day and record in a tiny like tiny studio and just be like all right we did it you know, 24 hours of work, give us our money, goodbye. And they thought that music was garbage, but honestly, I kind of like it. I like it too, and I, I like what it represents, which is kind of the B version of what actually is going on. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, Beatles are huge right now. They want that sound. They don't want to pay for the Beatles music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so why don't we just get uh, this band to come in and do that? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So why don't we move on to track number two? If I needed somebody. If I needed somebody. I will say, I think it's my least favorite of the bunch. If I needed somebody. If I needed somebody who, who would love me and be true. Would you love me? Would they love me and be true, 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 true? If I gave them all my trust, would they treat it with respect through this life? I don't know what it is about. I, I think because they didn't really do a lot of work polishing up his vocals. The vocals sound very raw. Uh, like they sound, they they don't sound as good as they do in Walking Down the Street. I don't know. It's just not as upbeat. It's not as upbeat, but I like just like hearing the actual vocal track. It just didn't sound like they did a lot of mixing or like work to polish it up that much. Which maybe they didn't want to. Maybe they just wanted to pump this out and get it out there. I mean, that wasn't. I don't think that was on, you know, the Pretty Things' side. That was on the, the production side. Right. I'm, I'm just saying, that, that's what I'm hearing. Okay. 
say that that was a very modern sentimental vocal with a slow beat oh would you so yeah. would the record <laughs> oh is that what the record says <laughs> so as i'm looking at this copy of the electric banana so i'm going to give a little bit more information there's taped edges fun fact mm-hmm. it looks like taped edges that's not oh tape that's just the way the cardboard is folded because okay. i was looking up other image because i thought ah. ours was like smothered in tape yeah they all look like that that's just the way the cardboard is folded that's just the way the cookie crumbles which makes me happy because it means there's no tape on it which means it's more valuable so i also want to mention there's two stamps on here of importance the one is dewolf music library inc 25 west 45th street new york new york and the other one is property of Studio One, 25 East Chestnut, Chestnut, Chicago, Illinois. Interesting, to say the least, especially because as I'm looking at this album, I see that the fourth song on side one is called Cause I'm a Man. Which we will get into. And it's circled, and there's an X near it. Yeah. The one above it, there's a question mark next to it, and yeah. the title of that song is Free Love. Yeah. So why this interests me is I'm wondering who exactly was the real owner of this. Obviously, at one point, it was in DeWolf's New York library, and it moved to Chicago somehow. But were these the people that were perhaps the sound engineers for movies? And can you talk about that a little bit? What movie was that fourth song featured in? Ah, so because I would like to get into that just before we play it. Because oh. we still got to go to Free Love. Oh. Which I feel like we got a whole other thing to talk about with Peter Reno. Okay. That's a whole thing. All right. Old Peter Reno. But those markings typically suggest that whoever had these, and, and this probably came from Studio One, uh, because I'm guessing, because this is a DeWolf album. Right. So DeWolf has a New York representation office. So they were probably using this in-house, and then they sent this off to Studio One. That would be my guess, just based on the fact that we found them in Chicago. Studio One was probably the last place this wound up in the hands of. Um, but usually whenever there's like markings on these, because I have seen other where they have circles and then they write what they want to use it for. Right. And oftentimes they would, so they could reference back, they could go back to DeWolf, they could call him up and say, hey, we'd like to use Because I'm a Man uh, for this. And they'd be like, all right, that's going to cost X amount of dollars. And then they give them all the masters of that to use for that thing. Okay. So because that circle, that means Studio One might have used that song for something. And I'm guessing the question mark next to Free Love was the engineer making a note for the producer or whatever saying, should we use this song, question mark? Yeah. That's my guess. Uh, I don't know the jargon for the engineers. They might have had a whole like freehand uh, you know, code exactly. system. Well, imagine how many records they had to choose from. Oh my God. And how much music they had Look to Look how know. many records we have, 928 of them. Yeah. And then, and to, to, like, they have them all cataloged. They probably make notes. I mean, imagine having a, a an assignment from your producer, be like, find me a song that sounds like this. And they're like, oh, geez. 
I what? think that would be such a wonderful job for myself. <laughs> Just listening to music to find the right song. I wish that was my job. Can I go back 30 <laughs> years and be alive and my age, my body? Well, it's our hobby now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think I think from moving forward, Logan, we need yes. to <laughs> soundtrack our lives to soundtrack the music our we lives. found. Yeah. Which that that brings us back to when I said modern sentimental vocal with a slow beat. Every <laughs> single one of these albums has a general mood associated with it like walking down the street the first song in parentheses in parentheses says rhythmic beat number in the pop idiom which is such a broadly specific way to, to describe something um so that way if your producer comes in it's like give me a rhythmic beat number in the pop idiom you're like oh i got the song for you it's called Who's walking down producer? the street <laughs> i don't know i don't know but he smokes cigars <laughs> And he likes the ladies. He sounds like he's a, a cartoon. <laughs> he might be. He's a, what, what was a George Jetson's boss? Spacely Sprockets. Hey, Jetson, get in here. Get in here. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let, let's move on to the next song. Free Love. Uh, this one. So, there are five tracks on this album. Three of them were written by the Pretty Things, a.k.a. the Electric Banana. Two of them were written by Peter Reno, which we have seen that name pop up a lot as well. In fact, we have an album. I'm staring at it right now. It's called Illinois, which, hey, irony, we live in Illinois. Uh, and it's the music of Peter Reno. And we were listening to that particular album. We are like, eh, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> which was kind of funny because I was like, oh, he's everywhere. Um, but Peter Reno, I thought, was a composer. It's not – it's funny because Peter Reno wrote Because I'm a Man – Peter Reno is not a man. Peter Reno is two men. Peter Reno is the compilation of Peter Taylor and Cliff Twemlow. It's two men who, when combined, they composed under the name Peter Reno. So that's I this entire time I've seen that name a lot. I was like, man, Peter Reno's pretty prolific. That guy's pretty good. Uh, it's two men ah. performing as Peter Reno. Two whole men. Two whole men. Not two and a half men. Just <laughs> two whole men. a different podcast. <laughs> just two whole men. Uh, and he wrote Free Love and Because I'm a Man. And on these two tracks, Phil May, the lead singer of The Pretty Things, did not sing on those tracks. I couldn't figure out why. I think it, my assumption is because he didn't write the lyrics, he didn't want to sing them. Or maybe uh the producers of DeWolf wanted a different sound for it maybe so, he had a sore throat yeah so the, we don't know so the guitarist uh and bassist i believe sang these particular next tracks so okay. let, let's let's get into free love written by peter reno it is a strident rhythmic harmony vocal you can also kind of tell uh because this wasn't written by the pretty things they sound a little bit more generic for selling purposes. Like, I feel like because the DeWolf studio composers were like, we want a song that sounds like this. Like, because they knew what they could sell. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they didn't let the pretty things do their, their, their pretty thing. So, Mr. Talkie Donkey, question yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. What scene do you see when this music is playing? Come on, pretty woman. I mean, they just said the title of the movie. So it's Julia Roberts walking down the street? Possibly. Big mistake. Big mistake. When she goes back to that clothing shop and had all those shopping bags. With the morning light. 
anything else that comes to mind in terms of movie or radio, television? I don't know. Maybe a lady walking into a department store and trying on many different shades of lipsticks. Yeah. It's it, it, it's it's the I just struck gold and now I'm fixing my life montage. Ah. I must warn you. I think this one. That after tonight, my love will fade and die with the morning light. So come on, pretty woman. Just live for today. You so much effervescent, upbeat, strident, rhythmic, harmony vocal. Uh-huh, you're reading that. So live for love and give your love away. So that one, full on like early Beatles vibe, like to me. Okay. And I, I'm just going to keep comparing this stuff to the Beatles because it seems pretty obvious that's what DeWolf wanted out of this record. I don't know, but you're also the worst about the Beatles. <laughs> no no offense to Logan. Oh, no. I, I, Logan they, doesn't know the Beatles very, very well. I don't know them hugely well, but I did buy that, um, you know, number one number CD one back in, what, 2001? All, all 50 of their number one hits. Yeah, and I used to jam out to that in my room as as a young one. When my parents got that album... And they played it. I was like, this is a Beatles song? Because so much of their music has been reimagined and repurposed for commercials and movies and stuff like that and covered that I didn't know that certain songs were originally by the Beatles. Yeah. And that's when you realize just how damn good they were. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, I just feel like because this was around the era of the Beatles being at like their peak, that DeWolf was like, we can't afford it. But we're gonna make it, damn it! Uh, I don't know why these these, these British producers sound like a, a skeezy New York cab driver. I don't know. I'm envisioning a bulldog cartoon with brown <laughs> suspenders, uh, <laughs> wearing pants, standing upright, and shaking his finger in our face with a cigar. With a stogie, a big stogie. <laughs> That's him. It's like you're doing it wrong. Uh, so yeah, so that 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 was free love. I actually like that song. I thought hey, that one was kind of but um, we're finally at because oh, I'm a man. We're and Logan can't one. wait to talk about this. So this one is kind of important because because I'm a man was featured because <laughs> he's a man because I'm a, this one's important because I'm a man <laughs> was featured in a movie, uh, one of my favorite movies ever called George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, uh, which I'm sure many listeners are aware of. Um, I didn't know it was featured in there uh, because I was always under the assumption that the soundtrack to Dawn of the Dead was done by a band called Goblin with the uh, Italian director Dario Argento, who worked on the European version of Dawn of the Dead, which was titled Zombie. Um, In fact, that soundtrack was so popular that I think within the last five or ten years, they did a tour playing just the music from that movie. So I was always under the impression that Goblin did the soundtrack come to find out there's a lot of incidental music in that movie mm-hmm. uh that's sort of part of the background and things like that and george a romero licensed all of it from DeWolf. Mm-hmm. and one of the songs they licensed was because i'm a man and if you've seen the movie towards the beginning of the movie there's a scene where they're flying over a bunch of rednecks and national guardsmen who are having coffee hanging out and just shooting zombies in a field 
that song is playing. And we're going to let this one play. Uh, the lyrics to this one are a little problematic by today's standards, but I think it's sort of a sarcastic take on, you know, because I'm a man. Like, everything about it is like, I'm a man, I'm I'm a machismo, I don't care what women think. Oh, we get it. We get yeah. it. Especially so, the ladies. Um, yeah. so also, I do want to mention the fact that it's circled and has a little X on it in this album cover. So, yeah, so Studio One might use it for something. Right. I want to do more of a deep dive, and, and this is me. This is the art history nerd coming out. I <laughs> want to know everything about Studio One, where they went, why are they defunct, w- what was it that they were in charge of when they were up and running. Yeah. Um, but so far we haven't been able to uncover anything from the internet. So I might have to go to the Chicago Public Library, which is a whole different ball of wax, but I'm ready to I'm ready to do it. That would be great if the library had library records. Oh. Wouldn't that how just many, be how special? How many jokes? Oh, oh, God. Dry jokes. All right, let's All right. go. <laughs> All right. Because I'm a man. It's a rhythmic country and western flavor. Shooting zombies. Shooting zombies, man. I never wake up early in the morning. Pow, pow, pow. Don't get home too late at night. Don't believe in overworking And I never treat a woman right Cause I'm a man Cause I'm a man I like to be the center of attraction Let the people know just who I am Like my movie shows with lots of action Take my fear straight from the camp Cause I'm a man Cause I'm a man I'm not the type for settling down Or raising a family Just give me a room with music and dice That's the place for me I never like to lose a nickel Although I am a gambling fan Smoke the cigarettes until my throat is off Don't believe in living to a play Cause I'm a man For settling down Or raising a family Just give me a room With music and dice That's the place for me I never like to lose a nickel Although I am a gambling fan Smoke the cigarettes until my throat is wrong Don't believe in living to a plan Cause I'm a man 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 Hey! about that mm-hmm. so yeah so those lyrics are obviously uh sarcastic in nature and i think that's why george romero 
picked that because I don't think George Romero was a big fan of rednecks. <laughs> uh, so he very much uh, probably used that to, uh, you know, sort of poke fun at it. Um, so that's going to bring us to the last track, which is Danger Signs. And Well, I also want to mention, I, from what I understand, we're just going to do side one on Electric Banana. Yeah, yeah. Because side two um, is instrumental. There's no lyrics. And yeah. as we're on this library music discovery journey, mm-hmm. on this school bus learning more, um, yeah. yeah, we're we're really interested in the pretty things and... You know, just kind of hearing what they sound like. So, so that was just a, a brief yeah, scenario, yeah. synopsis. So we're just playing side A, so you get to hear vocals, the band, everything like that. Side B is the same, just no lyrics. Uh, but we just heard that more or less. So yeah. we're, we're going to forego side B. Yes. Um, but Should we are going to play gonna, that last track. Let's play this last track. This is Danger, Danger Signs. Signs. I actually think this is the best song in the album. All right, let's. Hear I it. like it a lot. It's. Uh, So here we go, Danger Signs. And this one was written by The Pretty Things. Uh, Peter Reno is out of the picture. date montage in a romantic Ooh. comedy where they're doing goofy things like skipping down a beach at sunset in slow motion. I think they're at the flea market. Flea market? Trying on funny hats. Funny hats. Oh my god. <laughs> like they pop up from a from a clothes rack like honk. Exactly. Like all you. <laughs> all you. Definitely courtship music. Yeah. It's, uh, which is funny because the song's called Danger Signs. <laughs> <laughs> But it feels like that. <laughs> it's a driving rhythm and blues number with a double track vocal. Or someone just landed that new job and they're like walking down the streets of Manhattan like, I'm the best. Clicking their heels in the air. Exactly. Freeze frame. Yep. They just aced their job interview. <laughs> like, I own this town. Yep. And that, my friends, is the electric banana. Yay. So that's pretty much the electric banana right there. Um, so 
we're we'll, we'll we'll probably post pictures of it on our Instagram when we post uh, this podcast. So if you're watching it, I think we're gonna include the album cover. Yep. As the uh, episode uh, image. Yep. So you'll be able to see it. It's just a banana that's peeled. What's the um, median retail for this one? Oh, median yeah, value. We should, we should include that information. He's digging. He's finding it, folks. So what you just heard, the electric banana. Uh, the median value of this album, $208.33. Oh, mama. Oh, mama. That's for something that's in, you know, mediocre, like, median uh, condition. But you know what? Ours? I, I guess we should talk about our, our collection because this is about what we found. Yep. Uh, the sleeve is pretty clean. Beautiful. Ex- except for... There's a little bit of a rip. There's a rip in the spine of the album. But it's mm-hmm. not really... It's not damaging anything at all. Yeah. Uh, the actual record itself, super clean. Um, I recently got some vinyl cleaning solution. So I cleaned it up mm-hmm. and got rid of all the dust and maybe minor little scuffs and stuff. Yeah. And after looking at it, it's, it, it's a pretty pristine copy of the album. So. Nice. With the exception of that rip in the in the sleeve, uh, the highest value that this is sold for on Discogs is four hundred and nine dollars. Holy schmoly! Yeah. So this has the the double whammy effect of a being a pop band who made it mm-hmm. uh, on the down low. Which funny story, um, their their little pseudonym kind of gave away their identity because on one of their later uh, electric banana tracks they just used a rougher version of a song that was on one of their actual pretty things albums okay so people are like hey wait a minute this isn't the electric banana this is the pretty thing so they're like trying to do it in secret then they just use one of their own songs uh which i thought was funny oh uh, secret identity foiled um so this has the double whammy of being the pretty things popular band uh, along with a song being used in a popular cult movie, mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead. So double whammy, double more whammy, expensive. more expensive. What can we buy with two hundred and eight dollars? I was thinking of really fun Sunday brunch out. Oh geez, when the world gets back to normal. Maybe another electric, maybe two copies of Return of the Electric Banana. <laughs> more vinyl, <laughs> more vinyl. Uh, maybe no. a nice pair of new shoes. Yeah, no, I I really like this album though. It's a good one. I'm teasing. I'm not. We're not selling this. No, I don't want to. It's great, um, especially because of the Dawn of the Dead track on here. I, it, it, so when <laughs> I mentioned this to Naveen, when I said we were going to do the Electric Banana as our first one, because it, let's be honest, it's a pretty easy one to pluck information from. It's well known. People know the pretty things. There's articles out there about it. Okay. Um, so we're like, we we got to come out strong with a lot of information. Um, when I mentioned that I found out that it was in Dawn of the Dead, she's like, oh, cool. Should we watch it? I was like, yes. And we started to, but we didn't So here's jump the, into here's the scoop, everyone. I am terrified of scary movies. So Dawn of the Dead, I like zombie zombie things. I liked, uh, yeah. what was that, The Walking Dead? Watched the whole thing. Love it, yeah. to, love it to bits. That's way scarier than Dawn of the Dead for what it's worth. Well, but, oh, okay. But, but, but now I, I know. But I did warn you ahead of time that Dawn of the Dead is like, the godfather of gory zombie yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's there's two things I can't really handle: scary movies and um, guts. Like I, there are guts in Dawn of the Dead. It, it's a little comical, yeah. but it's also like, boy, they're really they're really showing this. Yeah, uh, they're, I get they're not messing I get around. really um, queasy. Qu- queasy. I feel like it's my guts. I I get really <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
I get worried. But um, yeah, so, oh, puppy. No, we got a puppy on the loose here. Um, no. But yeah, so so anyway, I think what we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lemon's ready to go. Yeah. Our, 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 our little pup has been sitting on Naveen's lap this whole time, and she's not having it. Well, she's she was like, happy and good until now she's getting a little... Yeah. So, uh, real quick before we go, out of 10, what would you rate the electric banana? Oh, I don't know. How about you? I think I'd give it a solid 8.5. I was going to say 8. Yeah. I really like that last track. I really like Danger Signs because mm-hmm. I'm a man's iconic. Because uh, I'm a man is really great. And yeah. the, the pretty woman one walking down the street or whatever that was, that was yeah. great. I like all the Beatles-esque feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to wrap this up because this dog, she's she's going to start talking in the podcast. Exactly. She's doing it right now. So we will see you on the next one. We don't know what we're going to do. Keep Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dumpster Vinyl. We're also starting a Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash Dumpster Vinyl. And I'm going to try to figure out TikTok a little bit more. TikTok, oh, yeah. TikTok Anonymous. We're trying to get as much content <laughs> out there as possible because there's so much more that we're not going to be able to cover. Yeah. So we want to bring that we're to you. We're having fun with this. Thanks for tuning in. We're so happy to have you. We're yes. so happy to be here. Thank goodness we found this in a dumpster and didn't let it go into a <laughs> landfill. Yes. Um, and we're happy to be a part of the community. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Poor baby. She wants a cookie. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care.